Welcome to Unbroken Jars. I'm Doug. And I'm Randy. And this is a podcast where we explore individuals' real-life stories and real faith. You're listening to Unbroken Jars, episode 21, I Shall Move the World. The light of Jesus shines through the darkness, and we carry this light in unbroken jars of clay. We have a life and a story about our faith journey, but we're not struck down or destroyed. Our stories shine the light on Jesus and His power. Our faith walk has forever been shaped by the life of one man. That's Jesus. Jesus continues to use these real-life stories of those around us to mold us. We dive into this world by investigating, interviewing, and walking alongside real people who share their stories, their faith stories of struggle, sin, joy, and victory, and how God is leading them will help shape your faith journey in unbroken jars of clay. continue to look at the lives of men and women who are intentionally allowing their everyday lives, occupations, and our hobbies to intersect with their faith. Really excited today to be able to bring in Mary Brinkerhoff all the way from the plains of Auburn University. Welcome, Mary. Um, Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. So, so Miss Mary, I've known a long time, I guess, and I honestly don't remember when, but I remember, um, I remember going to Auburn in 1998 and visiting with some people there. Brett Harrison was my best friend growing up, which I, you know, uh-huh. I don't even know if I should mention his name out loud, but um, <laughs> all that to say, we, we, I, and I remember um, Jim being talked about. And the funny thing is, is every time somebody talked about Jim, they talked about him as the, the head one and, and Mary is the feet and the hands one, right? The, mm. y- y'all were y'all were the team that uh, that did everything there. But Randy and I reached out to Mary to see um, if she'd be willing to join us on Unbroken Jars. And our, like I said, my relationship with Mary has gotten closer over the years as we've uh, shared a lot in Gulf Coast Getaway stuff, and and our, our lives have crossed over with her son and one of our uh, one of our former Mayfairites. Uh, here that is now her family, but um, I I, uh, I appreciate you you coming on and and allowing us to to spend a little time with you this morning, Mary. We appreciate you. Well, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to be here with y'all and have enjoyed our partnership as we've uh, you know tried to point students of all ages to Jesus, you know, together. And we've sent kids back and forth over the years. It's been great. Yeah. Yeah, we really have. We've been a we we were talking about that earlier. We've been a conduit straight back and forth. We've had these these engineer minded students go down to Auburn and then uh, come back with a faith development that you guys have poured into them, and we appreciate that. And Mary, I I don't know if we've met. We may have met before, but uh, I'm going to be speaking for maybe maybe several others that are listening in today. I know I looked on the Auburn Christian Student Center. Uh, website uh, in Auburn, Alabama, and it says you currently serve as activities coordinator at the student center. But for me and others who may not know you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from originally, and how you ended up at Auburn, your family, etc. Well, Randy, I have deep roots in Alabama. My um, father was from Bear Creek and my mother from Cordova. 
and they actually met at the campus ministry in Auburn. They met at, at church. Yeah. And, um, back in the fifties and my, (laughs) after a lot of grad school, my dad, uh, came back to Auburn and was a professor. And so I was actually Uh born, born in Auburn. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. And, but we moved away when I was two. And um, so I lived up and down the East Coast from Florida to Connecticut growing up. And I spent my high school years in uh, North Carolina, Greensboro, North Carolina. But then um, came to Auburn as a college student. And um, so Auburn is very, very special to me for many, many reasons. And my three children were all born in Auburn, and now they're spread out all over the world. Um, <laughs> so, um, as y'all know, have already mentioned, Ben and Mary Beth are in Oxford, Mississippi. He works with um, uh, the campus ministry there, Rebels for Christ. And my daughter, Anna, is um, just finished her Ph.D. at Brown, and she is getting married in April. And they are have several job possibilities that are developing and not sure which one of those is going to formalize, but we're excited about their possibilities. And then my Amy um, uh, lives in Colorado Springs. She and her husband live there, but she still works for Auburn University for the uh, College of Architecture, Design and Construction. So she had been here in Auburn working for them. And then when she and Johnny married and they moved, uh, they kept her on. It's amazing what COVID has done and allowed us to do. And so um, all three of my kids are involved in higher education in one form or fashion. Yeah. Yeah. If if there's anything to make me feel dumb, it's to kind of sit and listen to you. <laughs> I, I feel sorry for my parents. You know, I'm thinking, no. wow, you, you guys produce some uh, some some kids with high achievement levels. Well, I think they just, I think they grew up in an environment here in Auburn where academics was really important and it just was kind of the nature of growing up here, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. You got some grandbabies in that equation? I I have one. Ben and Mary Beth have a sweet Naomi James in Oxford and I'm just, she is just the joy of my life. Yeah, we, we, I personally know the, the blessing of grandchildren, but Hey, um, if you wouldn't mind, you know, what about your, maybe share a little about your faith journey. Um, how did it lead you? Well, first to Jesus, of course, but then into this life, basically a lifetime of serving and ministering to college students. Well, I'll tell you, Randy, the, um, campus ministry has played a critical role in my life since I was a teenager. Um, my home congregation in North Carolina had a campus ministry. So I had the privilege of watching college students who were passionate about Jesus, who were passionate about the lost, who, um, were just really serious about their faith. And that was very impressionable as a, as a young person growing up in that congregation. And so, um, it influenced me greatly as I made my decision for Jesus. And then, um, uh, through the years, you know, I ended up at Auburn and Paul and Janet Cates were just a, had a huge uh-huh. impact on my life. Um, my father had died when I was a senior in high school. So I was just going even through more transitions than a college student even normally would. And mm-hmm. they were just incredible mentors. And, uh, honestly, they were like family to me. And, yeah. um, 
So I'm just so thankful for their influence. And they continue to have an influence on me today. Um, and then, of course, Jim and I um, got married and we moved to New Jersey. We had both actually lived in New Jersey at the same time. Our families were good friends. Jim was a little older than I was, so I didn't know him that well. Our families went to the same church in New Jersey. And mm -hmm. so we were com just knew that God wanted us to... Um, work in the Northeast since we both had grown up there. And so we planted a campus ministry at Rutgers university and yeah. um, we um, learned so much in our time there. It was a bit, a bit of a wilderness experience yeah. um, and everybody needs one of those. Um, but it was a time of incredible growth and we just um, really learned a lot at our time at, at Rutgers and um, some things happened that with the, the church there that was sponsoring us, things that were going on before we even arrived that were um, not healthy. And so we um, just were unable to carry on um, with that ministry at Rutgers after a couple of years, sadly. But um, the elders at Auburn had asked us, because Paul and Janet Cates were leaving, to go to Lipscomb. And so they asked us to return we honestly, we fought it because we really thought we needed, we're, God wanted us in the Northeast, but he kept closing mm -hmm. doors <laughs> and Auburn one kept opening wider. And as they say, the rest is history. Mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't know that about Rutgers. You, oh, you I really didn't? didn't? I mm. did not. I did not know mm -hmm. that y'all planted a campus ministry. Mm -hmm. All I knew is y'all, and, and I knew, I know, I actually knew Paul and Janet Kate, strangely enough. In a, in a different roundabout way. I, I knew them because I went to Lipscomb in 97 oh. mm -hmm. and Janet was there and yes. I got to know him. And eventually, you know, my counseling background, we, we linked up a little bit and we've, we've had crossover since then, but, um, and I knew people who knew the transition, um, when y'all were transitioning in, I was trying to remember who I had a conversation not too long ago with somebody about, um, about you guys transferring in or in that transition period. But, mm -hmm. but that, that was, um, I didn't know that about Rutgers. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, I mentioned at the beginning of this, that for me, um, as somebody who was beginning, actually before I had aspirations, to be in campus ministry at all before I had any interest. I went there because I had friends there at Auburn and they continued to talk about you and Jim and, and the connection they had with you all. And, and I saw the fruits even during that time, you know, I, I grew up going to camp Wiregrass and that's where still to this day, I think there's a ton of students that y'all have that go to camp Wiregrass. Oh, and, Absolutely. Um, so, so I had a bunch of crossover with them. Um, and there were certain people in my life that had crossed over in your life. Um, but you know, one of the things all these, uh, these years is, you know, Jim left such an impact on people as well as you did. And, the, and, and you, it's interesting when you talk to people who have been through the campus ministry there at Auburn, they, um, they tell a distinct different story and it seems like you and Jim were so compatible in the way y'all worked with students. 
like I said, uh, I heard everybody say, man, Jim really challenged us in the way we thought and really made me think about this. And then when they talk about you, it's like, oh, Mary was so involved in our life. You know, I can't remember how many conversations I had with Mary and how how she organized and she led us into everything and she was so hands-on. And so um, it, it's interesting. It sounds like God really used their, y'all there for years uh, to be hands-on together. But, you know, one of the questions that, that we've kind of written down, what what was it about Jim, you know, if you're willing to, to talk a little bit about him, what was it about Jim that gave him his connection to students in your mind? Well, thank you for your kind words, Doug. We um, we did enjoy working as a team. It, I'm not going to lie. It took us a while to figure out um, who what each other's strengths were and to get out of the way and just let the other one do their thing. And, and, and so we did develop a team approach over the years that um, I think allowed us um, to be very productive because we recognized each other's strengths and we just got out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but in terms of Jim, I think what you would hear most from his children and his, all these students who were like adopted children and from myself personally are two things that really stand out. One was his wisdom. Um, he had an uncanny, uncanny ability. I honestly, it was a God given gift. Um, to use scripture to illuminate truth um, and to get to the heart of a matter. And so often, especially with college students, but mm-hmm. really true for all of us, um, we need somebody who can listen and help us distinguish what the real issue is and then point us to Jesus and point us to scripture to help us know. Oftentimes it's not knowing what the issue is, but how we're going to be obedient to to what we've, um, you know, uncovered the truth we've uncovered. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Jim had a real ability to do that. Since his death, I've had, I mean, hundreds of people say to me, "If only I had an hour with Jim to talk about this." Yeah. They would be going through some kind of crisis, and they were like, "Oh, I just need his listening ear," and of course. A listening ear is kind of funny to talk about with Jim because he was deaf. I mean, he really was deaf in one ear. Well, he had deafness in both ears. But I think that's one thing that um, why people appreciated him so much is when you were in a room with him, you had his undivided attention, no distractions, because he had to give it to you to be able to hear you because he read lips a lot. And um, so he was so intent upon you. And I think in our world today, there is so little of that where people are completely given over to, you know, giving you their undivided attention. And that went a long way with relating to students. Um, The other thing about Jim that I think most people would say is that he was, um, there was no pretense. um, And you probably saw that as he wore his shorts and his sandals and you know he didn't he didn't really care what other people thought um he was as genuine as they come and college students don't like fake I mean I just they don't like fake anything and they don't like pretense they don't like political posturing 
And Jim was none of that. He was just who he was. I've never known anybody. Now, don't get me wrong. Jim was not perfect. He had his flaws. Sure. But he, I've never known anybody with as pure motives as he had. I mean, he really did nothing for selfish ambition or vain conceit. I mean, he really did. And students resonated with that. So sure. those are the two things. My kids say he was a bit like Dumbledore, you know, and, um, <laughs> and college students kind of like that too. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Well, um, so it's been eight years, nine years. He passed yeah. away in 2013. We're working right? On, right. It's a little over eight years. Mm. Um, but so I, it's it's interesting to to and and this is not anywhere in a script. Just like I said, as as we start talking, it, things hit me. But it, sure, it, it's interesting to think of all the people who have impacted my life personally. Um, and I, I start I start thinking about different people who have impacted me and my faith journey along the way. And and what's so strange, and you 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 and Jim. Uh, were such a large piece of my faith journey, even though I didn't know you. So mm-hmm. there were people like, you know, Michael Strickland mm-hmm. and, and Brett Harrison and my, my now brother-in-law who, who you always to call Opie. Um, yeah. <laughs> Derek, uh, <laughs> Derek, he um, still mm-hmm. to this day, I mean, the man is a godly man mm-hmm. and, and really, um, and, and so much he attributes that to the teaching of Jim and the nurturing of you. And yeah. it, it's, 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 it's amazing to see how God worked through two people who were in your words, flawed, you know, you, you had your flaws, everybody does, but sure. you allowed to God, God to use your, your strengths and weaknesses uh, to, to do kingdom work and to keep working. And, uh, it's, it's just been so impressive. Like I said, it's, it's neat to kind of look in the mirror and, and, and say, all right, who are, who are the faith people in your life? And I, as I name mine off, all these people are, are tied back into you guys, strangely enough, in some way or another, uh, interesting, but I just, I found that as a neat observation. Wow. Thank Um, you, Doug. Yeah. Um, Mary, I, I, I don't know, uh, I guess. I'll ask this and just kind of see if you want to comment on it. So when Jim passed away in 2013, you know, I guess you could have just walked, you could have walked away from the ministry there. Right. I mean, you could have, could have, uh, was there, was there, did you struggle with that? Did it, did it, was it something that was made clear to you pretty quickly? I'm going to stay here and remain and serve in this campus work to honor. Well, not just to honor Jim, but because you feel compelled to do that or, how how did that how did that all kind of transpire there in 2013 how did you walk through that well randy you're right um it, it there were some hard decisions um i like to jokingly say that it's taken me 8 years to train micah but um <laughs> uh, <laughs> we both know he's not trained yet yeah <laughs> But anyway, that's Mike. Micah has been wonderful. Thing, I, yeah. I tell you, he yeah, he really he has. has. I joke about him a lot, but he he has been wonderful, and mm-hmm. he has graciously 
um, it's it's been very different, but he's graciously allowed me to uh, walk alongside with him and continue to minister to students. But I think my greatest motivation, honestly, was something that Jim truly believed with all his heart, and um, I, I do too. But he's he's the one who, I mean, he really believed this with all his heart, and that was that um, there was no better place to live out God's mission than within campus ministry. Mm-hmm. You know, he truly felt that the world literally comes, he would always say, to your dorm step, not your doorstep, but your dorm step, and mm-hmm. that we in campus ministries, um, he would always say this, uh, rightfully claim to possess Archimedes lever. Give me a place to stand and I will move the earth. Yeah. And there's really, I can't think of a better place to do that. Uh, he was oftentimes approached about, you know, moving on to the pulpit or, you know, he had a lot of job offers over the years and he always turned them down because he said, there is no place I can have more influence and for Jesus than right here on this campus. And there's no need for me to move on um, to something bigger or better, so to speak, uh, because there's nothing greater than right here with these college students in these trans during these transformative years. Yeah. So that's, that's, I stayed because for of that very reason. Because of the impact and opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know, even, it's funny. I never heard Jim say that. Of course, I mean, reality is, is my conversations with Jim were usually um, limited in space and time for for the time that I had with him because it was, it was, I, I wouldn't say as peers, but we were both in campus ministry at the time, and, and so I didn't know him as well when he was a campus minister. But but speaking to the impact that he had, you know, I mentioned my brother in law earlier. I have heard him say that exact quote mm-hmm. multiple times um and so there it, it's when you started saying that i was like i can finish this and it's not because <laughs> of jim but it's because because of jim's impact um, yeah. so that's interesting that that mm-hmm. that is what's kept you in it as well it, it has it really has and you know truly the world is at our dorm step because we have students even now that we you know read through the gospel of Luke with, and um, I have two Iranian friends that I read with and talk to every week. And um, uh, there are a lot of students and residents within our congregation that are reaching out to international students. And so, I mean, it's truly a, the world has come to us. Yeah, it's so true. So, so to, to kind of stick with that theme of, uh, uh, and the idea of, of being with college students. What, what is it about um, this stage in young adults' life that's so critical for their spiritual formation um, that you've seen over, over your 30-plus years of doing this? What, what is it? Why, why is it that, that the world has come to our doorstep and that is such a formative time? What is it about that? Well, first of all, not to correct you, but it's been over 40 years. So oh. <laughs> I wanted to, I've got to get You're my just, you just look so young, Mary. Oh, thank you, Doug. Thank you. <laughs> You're kind, but it's actually been 42 years. Um, wow. When you count the Rutgers in. Yeah. Um, so uh, the college years. I have a friend, uh, Dr. Chris Buxton, who um, 
yeah. published something recently that I thought just really summed up everything I truly believe and have come to believe over these 42 years. And um, I'd like to, let me just share a few of those with you. Okay. Um, it's, here's one, is that um, very few students enter college without a fully formed worldview. Very few leave college without one. So allow mm. that to sink in. Mm. Um, another point is that um, choosing a career path, choosing your closest friends, choosing a spouse, and, cho- and choosing a worldview are the four most crucial decisions of a person's life. And now faith falls, of course, under the worldview. And for many people, not all, but many people, all of these decisions are usually made during the college years. Mm-hmm. And um, then another one that I thought was really powerful um, is that often the largest factor determining the kind of person a college student will become uh, during this transformative season are their closest friends. And um, this, of course, includes people they date, as well as mentors, and they need to choose very wisely. And, you know, those people influence you for the rest of your life. And that's during the college years that those are chosen. So true. Yeah. And um, then one more um, that I think is really important, whichever group a college student chooses to connect with uh, for the first two or three weeks of their college career, is most likely the group that they'll be primarily affiliated with for the rest of their time in college. So it's Mm -hmm. real important. That's why literally we almost kill ourselves the first few weeks of a fall semester. And I'm not kidding. I mean, we are going 24-7, you know, because that very thing is so true. We try to make, create community for students um, because those first two or three weeks are so critical for the rest of their trajectory throughout potentially their entire life. So those are just a few things that, um, you know, I think are indicative of why campus ministry is so important, why um, the college years are so critical. Yeah. You know, after, after being connected to college and campus ministry, you know, my ministry has been uh, right at 22 years in, in that involvement. And you're exactly right. I, I've always said, not nearly as well as that, but I've always said, well, you kind of get this weird, strange, blank slate. And it's mm-hmm. not necessarily blank, but it kind of is. There's so much formation that happens during that time that they're, it's the one time in life when they're really asking all the questions that That's they right. may have not been permitted to ask at home or or, or weren't answered at home, or now all of a sudden life is real and there's more questions that present themselves that they never had before. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's such a unique, I've had such deep conversations with college students um, that that are so genuine and real. And after that, we start forming up and we become these, I guess, kind of hardened almost and, and in our decisions and and sometimes that's in faith and sometimes it's not, but, um, it, it, it is so true. I think that's, that's well said. Uh, 
Mary, I, I guess, you know, tagging onto that, uh, you know, you, you're stressing to us the importance of these years in college. Um, and there's parents out there that are li- listening, going to be listening to this podcast who are, you know, dedicated Christians and concerned about the spiritual growth of their teens. And then they start thinking about, oh, they're about to go off to college and um, they're concerned about the impact co- the college culture, which re- reflects our culture, the world culture. Uh, and and they, they say, okay, they're going, they're choosing a state university. Uh, what's going to happen? You know, how can I support them or how can I, how can I, how can we help those parents maybe um, be less stressed out about that, if that's the right word? Or, or what do you say <laughs> to parents who, who are, you know, they, that's their, I mean, they're right, they're concerned and these, their, their kids are about to go off to college. They're going to be, you know, they'll be on, basically on their own. Um, what kind of, what can you speak to those parents about? Sure. Thinking? Well, um, one thing that, um, if they don't, if people don't hear anything else, I'd like to hear for them to hear me say this. And um, after 42 years, I have discovered that students will find what they are looking for, no matter where, no matter where they go to college. And Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. you just have to be very careful. And this is what parents need to be aware of. You need to be very careful what your child's looking for. Um, Whether your child stays at home in your basement and goes to a community college whether they go to a Christian college or whether they come to a state university, they can find anything they're looking for in any of those places. And so, um, you know, there, you know, you just have to be really aware of what your student or what your child is looking for. Mm -hmm. And despite what a lot of people think, I really don't think it's the intellectual struggles or that, um, that cause people to lose their faith, but it's more the moral ones. It's the very rare to hear of a student abandoning their faith because of being overwhelmed by what they heard in the classroom. But the real culprit is uh, lifestyle decisions played out in the privacy of their um, everyday lives. Yeah. Yeah. They're the real killers of faith on any campus, no matter what campus. And that's what erodes away the commitments to God. And that's why, just like we were talking about earlier, that's why community is so important. That's why we literally put ourselves on the line every day to create community. Because if someone has a strong, if a college student has strong community, it's why, you know, y'all do what you do. It's why Ben does what he does at Ole Miss. We're an open door um, community. So many of the places and things and um, organizations that they will face on campus are closed-door communities. You have to, you know, whether it's marching band, sororities, fraternities, you know, different academic honors, you know, those are, you have to be invited. You, you know, you it's a closed-door community. You Some people make it, some people don't. And that can really, really... Um, influence a college student and uh, it can I've known of college students who've left campus before classes even started in the fall because they didn't get into some organization that they thought they just had to be in or they would die or that they Mm -hmm. would you know just not be able to keep going 
and they've left before the first class. And um, so that's why it's so important for us to create that open door community where everyone's welcome and um, everyone can be a part because one, it will, well, it'll just, it'll, I think it's what will help make or break their college years if they are involved with a, a genuine community of faith. Yeah. So, I appreciate I, what, yeah, keep going. No, I was just going to say the other thing that I was just going <clears> to <throat> say is um, in asking where do we send our children, you know, I do think it's important for us to look at where Jesus sent his disciples and he sent them to the lost and hurting. And our campuses are full of lost and hurting people. And that's true on a state campus or a Christian college campus um, or a community college, any of those places. You're going to find lost and hurting people wherever, you're go- wherever you go. And I think it's important for us to remind our kids that you can have a great time, get a great education, and still be on God's mission. And um, so there's a risk of sending our kids off no matter where we send them. But Jesus also understood that safe Christians are rarely effective in growing Christians. And I think that's what we need to remember. No, I think that's, Randy and I were almost having this conversation earlier. I feel like, you know, during the pandemic, we became very safe Mm -hmm. Christians. And, and, I mean, and and we, because we didn't know what was going on, right? It's the first time, but it's strangely enough, all of those places where they weren't safe are the places that are seem to be expanding and growing now. Mm-hmm. All the all the places where they're like, all right, we gotta we gotta be careful, but we gotta keep going. We gotta keep doing this. I talked to a, a you know, in the middle of the pandemic, we wound up working with a homeless community here, and then wound up accidentally kind of starting a a, a church with homeless community at twenty eight twenty and. Uh, I met a couple that was at a uh, a marriage conference we were doing this weekend, and and they started a church accidentally during the pandemic because they didn't want to stop meeting together. So this church is just expanding and growing, and it's reaching people that they wouldn't normally reach. It's it's like you said, we're we're called to go into all places at all times. Absolutely. That doesn't um, necessarily look a certain way. I know I've heard. Multiple times, parents say, "You know, I'm on. I really want our my my kid to go to Christian school so they can get a Christian education." Well, um, what's strange about that is I'm usually the one saying, "I want my kids to go to a state school so they mm-hmm. can live out their faith alongside." Mm-hmm. And when they when they when they live into life, when they choose to follow Jesus, it's going to be their choice, and it's going to be it's going to be real authentic, and they're going to be walking alongside of. Uh, of other people that are choosing that same path in the middle of a path that they'll be working in. That's right. Um, and and so that's uh, for me. I, I love that you said that. Of course, of course, we're going to walk hand in hand in that. Though we've been in this kind of field together. But so right now, there's there's some um, and and I'm I'm glad Randy wrote out this question. So there's some do's and don'ts that you might share with parents because. I know at least that with my time in campus ministry, there's some definitely don'ts. I don't know if there's <laughs> as many do's, but there are some big don'ts that stick out in my mind. Um, but but some do's and don'ts you might share with some some of the parents listening, and so maybe some of the future parents that will be, be dealing with college students going off. Um, when when a college student is going off, what are what are 
where's the parent's role and, and what are some do's and don'ts? Well, let's start with the don'ts first. How about that? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, it's very tempting in our world today. And we have the means to do it with communication like it is to be a helicopter parent. Right. Um, honestly, I kind of prefer the term a curling parent better. Um, you know, curling has, if you watch the Olympics here recently at all, um, and you see the curling folks with their little brushes trying to sweep away every little grain of ice, you know, just so right. that it's yeah. smooth lane. <laughs> and I think honestly, that might be a more appropriate analogy of um, parents today, um, sweeping away absolutely everything so that their child doesn't have to struggle and, and, and those struggles allow growth, um, right. both spiritually and relationally and emotionally. And so um, I think it's really important for us to be aware of that. Um, don't, you know, for parents not to sweep away the problems, let them make, their kids make mistakes and grow. Delayed adolescence and failure to launch um, honestly might be more of a result of parents than students, you know, these yeah. days. And um, helicoptered or, or uh, children um, are more likely to grow up to be irresponsible, anxious adults with an unhealthy sense of entitlement. And I think we need to realize as parents, what we think is helping is really hurting oftentimes. There's yeah. a difference between healthy involvement. I'm, I'm not saying to be disengaged or apathetic towards your college student who's going off. But there's a big difference between healthy involvement and curling. Involved parents are engaged in a way that promotes autonomy and competence and responsibility. One of the things I like to, you know, when parents ask me, you know, what do I need to do? I'm like, well, really your job is, is done in many ways, except for, <laughs> for the main thing, which is prayer. So as your child gets on the roller coaster of young adult life, our job as parents and, you know, roller coasters up and down, you know, and, and that's what mm -hmm. young adults are up and down, up and down, up and down. And our job is to stay on the platform. And as they come around as the, in that roller coaster car where our job is to pray and to love and encourage. And as they come through by the platform where, you know, we give them hugs and we encourage and say, you've got this and, you know, that sort of thing. But then they go off on that next set of ups and downs. And our job is to stay on the platform and pray. It's not to get in the car with them and go around and around. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's just a really, maybe the best advice I could give to parents is prepare them. Um, and I've got some dues and I'd love to share those, but yeah, don't, please, yeah. but don't get in the roller coaster car and go around with them. Stay on the platform and pray. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the do's, um, I think it's important for, for parents to remember that they are, despite all the, and I won't go over, I could quote a ton of statistics that are, uh, would give a parent cause for concern in terms of, you know, kids abandoning their faith. But mm -hmm. it's important for parents to remember they are still the greatest influence in their teen or young adult's life. Um, and that's just really important for them to remember. They still 
are the greatest influence. And I think one of the um, ways parents can really be that positive influence is through radical acts of faith. You know, our kids need our, um, they need our words to interpret sometimes our actions. Um, Otherwise they just think we're nice people, you know? Um, Mm. But they need to realize that what we do what we do because of Jesus and because of God's love and because he loved us first. And, you know, um, a parent's radical act of faith could involve something as simple as spending a summer, you know, in Bolivia working on a agricultural renewal project. I know a parent who did that. Um, or, and, you know, take, maybe they he take for a few weeks and takes their children along with them. Or maybe Mm -hmm. it's turning down a more lucrative job offer to stay with a struggling church that they've really committed themselves to. But again, it's important for the parents to explain, this is how Christians live. You know, if you don't say Mm -hmm. it, you're doing it because of your faith. Kids are not, are just going to say, my parents are really nice people. It doesn't register with the kids that faith is supposed to make you live differently unless parents help them connect the dots so we've got to use our words to back up our actions absolutely yeah and then um what doug touched on earlier i thought is so important and that is that um students um need to be allowed to express their doubts when they're still Mm -hmm. at home because um um if we just want our kids to say the right things before they graduate, instead of helping them think through the tough questions and verbalize some of the tough issues of life, um, they, I think, will have a much harder time when they go off to college if they haven't, if y'all have, if you haven't openly discussed with your children some of those doubts, concerns, questions with you then how are they going to do it in a healthy way without you? So yeah. don't be afraid of that while they're still at home. Yeah. Um, and then the last do, uh, thing that I'd like to um, emphasize is, and this is a real practical one. Um, there are so many transitions when you go off to college, make sure your child has spent some time. And I'm talking about, I would suggest at least a month away from home before they go off to college. Make sure that they know how to do their own laundry, cook their own meals, go to the grocery store. (laughs) Um, All these things, you know, we do for them all the time because they're, you know, they've got so many, they've got all the academics and the extracurricular activities they're involved with. So we tend to do the practical everyday things for them. And then all of a sudden they're off at college and they're having to learn how to, grocery shop, cook, do laundry, pay bills, all of that stuff on top of the academics, the emotional, the relational issues going on. It's too much. All right. Yeah. So set them up for success by sending them off before they leave for college, someplace Mm. where they have to do their own laundry, own cooking, (laughs) you know, pay some bills. And there are ways to do that. Um, we sent all three of ours off for an extended amount of time before they went to college so that they didn't have those everyday transitions to make or that they were more familiar with them. 
and didn't right. have quite as many transitions to make than when they finally did leave home for college. I think that's really, really critical. Um, I've got a few more just suggestions for once they are at college, how you can encourage them. I don't know if we've got time for that, but I've got some quick. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So once they get to college, here are my four really quick um, suggestions for you. One is to, um, once they're there, if encourage them to get, get help early. Don't let them get in a pit before they get help. And I'm, remember, it's them getting help, not you getting help for them. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. And that's a big difference there. Oh, it is. Um, yeah. Whether it's spiritual help, you know, make sure, remember, you should, they should have already been connected with a campus minister or a campus ministry or a church before they even go off to college. So you know who to call. Don't, you know, it doesn't do a whole lot of good when you're trying to, you're student is struggling spiritually and you haven't even made the connection yet with a campus ministry uh, and know who to call. It's a lot harder to uh, get help at that point than it is if a relationship's already been established. But the same is true academically. Your professor, your college, your university, they want you to succeed. If for no other reason, they want your money the next semester. They, <laughs> they, they want you to succeed. And there, I can assure you, there are all sorts of ways for you to succeed academically and extra help you can get, but you have to ask. So mm-hmm. encourage your child to ask. You would not believe how many students just don't ask and the help is there. And that's true mm-hmm. emotionally too. You know, there is no shame in asking for help emotionally, you know, counseling, therapy, whatever gets, make sure you get solid help, good help, but ask for help early on. Don't let anything get so bad that you can't dig your way out of a pit. Mm-hmm. So that's my first thing is ask for help um, early. The second thing is encourage their radical acts of faith. Honestly, I have more problems with parents than students when it comes to students who want to change their major, you know, because they feel a calling from God to, um, to live a certain way. Um, and maybe they wouldn't make as much money, but they would be fulfilling God's mission and the parents just discourage it or if not Mm. refuse to, to accept it. Um, kids wanting to go on mission trips whose parents, for whatever reason, there are a whole lot of reasons I've heard, will not let them. Don't discourage radical acts of faith. Encourage them. That's what Mm. you want for your child. And you have to realize how you're, um, oh, it just discourages them. And, And this might, it might change the trajectory of their life to something that you really don't want. Um, encourage those. Um, let them wrestle with their doubts. Um, yes, that's scary, but they will be stronger because of it. And don't mm-hmm. be afraid when they do. Don't be afraid when they do. Um, again, if they have community to do it within a, a strong faith community, then, you know, usually the uh, results are the, the outcome is usually very positive. They're stronger because of it. But it is right. 
but that's why that faith community is so important. And then my last thing would be to take a long-term view. Um, so if you have a child who's homesick, um, don't say, oh, well, we're homesick for you, so we're going to throw a party, so just come on home, you know? Yeah. <laughs> your, your dog's missing you, so encourage them to stick it out. You know, you have to be somewhere to make relationships. I tell families over and over again, anytime you move, no matter what the circumstances, whether it's a family moving or a college student coming off to college, it takes, statistics show it takes a full year for someplace to feel like home. So why would we wonder after two or three weeks or be surprised that our college student is homesick? Encourage them to stick it out. Encourage them right. to stay on weekends, make friends. And I think you'll find when they come home from in December for, for Christmas break, they'll realize that what they've been missing is in some ways no longer there. They're missing right. what they knew of their, how they left things in high school. Well, things aren't the same when they go home because everybody's changed. Everybody's left. Everybody's, you know, doing different things. Yeah. And so what they're missing doesn't even exist. Um, now they might, I, I understand there is a genuine miss of family and, you know, so there are some things that stay the same, but for the most part, a lot of what they're missing is not even still intact um, right. in terms of their friends and um, things. So they come home for Christmas, they realize that, and then they go back in January and they realize, oh, you know, I actually missed where I was, I missed Auburn. You know, I miss my friends. I do have friends. I actually missed them. <laughs> I didn't realize they, I had friends. I didn't even realize I had friends, <clears throat> but I missed them. And so really take that long-term view, encourage them to stick it out and to um, give those transitions a chance. I'm not saying there's not ever a time to change because sometimes there is, but I think more often than not, we default to not, um, encouraging that long-term view. Yeah. So I think that. this is one that those are actually really good, Mary. It's, it's interesting because when I hear you talk, I hear my wife and one of the things that she's done really well with our children is, is, um, she will say, if you keep doing that, you will get hurt. She won't say stop doing that, or yeah. I'm going to go grab you off of that. So mm -hmm. say, if you, if you keep doing that, you're going to get hurt. And they oh, do. Right. If, mm -hmm. if they get, and then they come to her and say, ow, and she goes, I told you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but mm -hmm. what's what's funny now, and that's I, 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 that's what I hear you saying to a lot of these parents is, look, they're going to get hurt. Be yes. there when they come to you to say, look, I prepared you for this. This is what we talked about. Now let's exactly. talk. Exactly. That's right. And I'm going to be here praying for you. And I'm going to be Absolutely. your biggest supporter. But you've got to make the decisions. Absolutely. Mary, you, you alluded in, you know, one of those, some really good stuff, by the way, just really good insight. I, we appreciate you sharing this. Uh, but you alluded about, you know, parents getting connected or getting their son or daughter connected with the student center before they go off to college. And there, for those who may be listening who have a son or daughter that's considering going to Auburn University this, this fall or attending there when they graduate from high school, Maybe can you share how they can get, get more information on the student, Christian students that are there and or how to contact you? Um, Absolutely. You, okay. Yes. Um, the best thing to do is to go onto our website, um, 
A-U, the numeral four, Jesus.org. And there is a new student tab. And one, you can read through a lot of information that's there. But the most important thing is to fill out a um, new student information sheet. And when you submit that online, it goes to all of our staff. And then we will be able to connect with you. Um, So that's the very first thing to do. And then secondly, um, no matter where you're thinking about going to college, um, and if it's Auburn, we especially would like for you to um, make a visit. Come see us um, before you come to campus. Uh, come get to know some of the staff. I mean, we encourage families to come if you any way possible to make your, to have a tour on a Monday or a Tuesday, I mean, to have your tour, excuse me, on a Tuesday or a Wednesday so that you can stay over Tuesday night for one of our Tuesday night worships um, because that gives you, that's when all of our college students are gathered together and um, we have a really uplifting time together. It's where everything's communicated to do, that has anything to do with the campus ministries communicated on Tuesday nights. And it gives you a real sense of what it's like to be a college student on a state campus. So have your tour on Tuesday and stay over on Tuesday night or come Mm -hmm. Tuesday night for worship and stay over and do a tour on Wednesday. And I think Mm -hmm. that that will really be beneficial. Well, Miss Mary, I, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. And I know, um, like I said, I know so many, I don't know how many people actually listen to our podcast, but, um, I know so many people who have been impacted by you and by Jim and we'll be excited to hear that, that you're on this. And, um, I appreciate your work over the years, your heart for this. And I know that you've got a new chapter coming up and that, that still may involve college students. You may, you may, uh, transition to old miss and become an old old miss old miss dorm mom with, with <laughs> grandma you, you, you never know never say yeah. never <laughs> i know i know who knows where where god's got you going but i appreciate you being here today if you don't mind um i just want to say a prayer and a prayer pray a prayer over you and uh, uh of thanksgiving so um let's do that that's great God, I'm, I'm thankful for Mary and for Jim and for how you've used them all these years. Father, I'm thankful for the words that she's said, uh, both to the parents and to us about faith, uh, understanding that um, we have a launching pad that we can launch our, our, our children, and we have that opportunity before they ever leave our house. So, um, I pray uh, just for all the parents that are going through that. Father, I pray for Mary's next adventure, wherever wherever you're leading her. I pray that you open the doors. Father, I'm thankful for the service. I'm thankful for the impact that her and Jim have had uh, vicariously on my life. And, and I know that that's been an impact for not just my life, but for so many's because of the people that... Uh, they have touched, who have touched others' lives. Father, thank you for your son who makes all these relationships possible. Um, and it's through Jesus that I pray. Amen. 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 Um, thank you again, Miss Mary, yes, uh, for, for joining us. You know, one, one thing that we hope and is that this conversation might do for those listening is help you visualize how you might take something in 
that you have an interest in or passion in and and put it to work for God. You know, our we all have a faith journey and we're all on that. So just like Miss Mary said, you know, we had these plans, but God took us this way. We <clears throat> it's our prayer that you'll join with God. Wherever he's leading you, let him use you in, in, in the path he's taking. Always wrap up this way. Our stories of brokenness, struggles, failures, and sin help others know that they are not alone and that while we as a church are imperfect and broken, God has the ability to take our stories and to make them into a story that shines a light back on Jesus. That's a beautiful thing. It's our hope that the people listening to this will find confidence in knowing that God can and will use your story if you're willing to share it. We'd appreciate any of your comments and feedback on Unbroken Jars podcast, and you can leave those comments and feedback at unbrokenjars at gmail.com. Please understand that our goal is always to honor God by the experience of real-life stories and real faith you hear on this podcast. May God bless your life as you live out your story of real faith in your own settings.